Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47, and then we'll see how far we get, or how fast I can go. Some of you are like, you always go too fast already, so don't do that. Acts chapter 2, 41 to 47. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So they had about 120 in the upper room, and that day, 3,000 were added to their number. They devoted themselves. Somebody say devoted. To the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily. Somebody say daily. daily. We got some, something to look forward to. Daily, those who were being saved. So in January, we talked about this series, we talked about, or actually one message on the 1st of January, and said, let us, not, all I can think about it is Don Sullivan came that week after I preached that and brought me a head of romaine lettuce from his, he said, I remember, and brought me the lettuce, a romaine lettuce from his garden, his hydroponic garden that he's growing things in. Hydroponic, I didn't mean anything beyond that, this lettuce. Let us build. Let us, and so there were three things. Let us, let us continue on. Let us motivate one another. Let us meet with one another. Let us encourage one another. This idea that together, let's have a, a, an outstanding, better year together. Let us, somebody say, let us, let us build on that. And we've talked about prayer and we continuing on in this passage that we read today. The initial opening days of the church where in one moment the Holy Spirit came and then 3,000 people were added. That's a church growth strategy that works all the time, the Holy Spirit. But it didn't stop at that moment, at a salvation moment. That was not just the, the beginning of the church. It was the beginning of the church that still marches on today. The church continued marching on all through the book of Acts. And you'll see stories of healing, stories of deliverance from evil spirits, stories of cities being turned upside down, stories of restoration of family, stories of people who are far from God finding their way to God, stories of addicts being set free, stories of deliverance and and signs and wonders and miracles that were not just for that day. A powerful community that also fed the hungry, that cared for the widows and the orphans. A powerful community that reminds us and challenges us about the problem and the potential for 2023. So as we pick up this passage, and, in, and indeed the thread is throughout the entire New Testament, we are reminded that isolationism is not a mark of a Christ follower. Jesus and me, that's all I need. No, it's not. 
You need, we need one another. Jesus and me. Actually, a better way is to say Jesus and we. Yes, Jesus saves you as an individual. And then the Bible says over and over that he sets the solitary into family. That you come out of darkness into light. You come out of loneliness into family. And no matter what the church has done through the ages, the good, the bad, and the ugly, it's still God's messenger. It's still God's vehicle to change the world. And so, yes, we can improve. Yes, we can get better at it. But we need one another. We need one another. 2,000 years ago we did, today we do. Two weeks ago, Daniel reminded us that Jesus is calling us to engage in community where Jesus is the center of that community. Our common ground is not where we came from, it's where we're going. Our common ground is not our political affiliation, it's Jesus. Our common ground is not our neighborhood, it's Jesus. Our common ground is not our socioeconomic status, it's Jesus. Ryan talked last week about how Christ-centered conversations around the Word of God results in Christ being present, our understanding being opened, and being sent on missions. And both of them talked about this word or this concept called koinonia, which is a Greek word, means to have in common or to share. And as those who are joined together in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, we are to share the life of Christ with one another in a way that results in both individual and corporate growth and strength. Koinonia is viewed all throughout the New Testament as a non-optional, somebody say non-optional, a non-optional environment for spiritual growth. Gordon Fee, a theologian, said there's two things you can't do alone. Get married or be a Christian. (laughs) Although today, I think I have seen that on Instagram. Someone got married to themselves. But (laughs) just because people do it doesn't mean you should. There's two things you can't do alone. Get married or be a Christian. 2,000 years ago, the church, the ancient church, was the way of the ancient church was a slap in the face to the divided culture of its day. In the church, the rich worshiped alongside the poor. In the church, different racial and cultural backgrounds gathered together around the purpose, the person of Jesus Christ. In the, in the church, a poorly educated but spiritually gifted servant could be the one that was preaching and teaching to the wealthy and the influential. In the church, anything was possible because together, koinonia, a community where Jesus was at the center of it all. And Jesus himself in John 13, 35 said, love one another as I have loved you. And we see that here in Acts chapter two. If you're a believer in Jesus, say, I believe. I I was setting you up, so here we go. All who believed, all of you that said that, were involved Together, that's what this passage shows us. All who believed were together in the temple courts and meeting in homes, together. All who believed were participating in ministry together. It wasn't for the one on the stage. It wasn't only for the the one who had all the, the vocal gifts. It was for everyone together. And we see in this passage the power and the beauty of a church that gathered together in a large gathering and also gathered together in small, intimate home gatherings in the temple courts and in homes. In 2023, the church again has the opportunity in the face of a world gone crazy to live out the reality of life 
in Jesus, with Jesus at the center. In Acts 2, we see this church on mission together. Yes, there was the reality that the church was, had powerful fellowship of us together. And alongside this, there was this par- parallel track of seeing that there were others who are not part of the family or might be on the edge of the family being engaged. It says this, about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There is beauty. There is wonderful things that happen in the fellowship of people. The fellowship of God's people. But the church has always been a place that was willing to pull up a chair and make room for those that are on the margins and for those that are just finding their way to be added to the family. There's always room to pull up a chair for more, to to see Jesus add more. We have friends and neighbors that are far from God. We have a world that he's called us to reach. There are hurts that need healing. There are people that need finding. There are needs that need to be met. And could it be that a Christ-centered community walking in an ancient practice called koinonia is perfectly positioned to be a force for good and for God in 2023? And we see here this this people on mission together. A Christ-centered community is seeing people Served, meeting needs, healing hurts, praying, surrounding, and it also is seeing others saved. We cannot lose sight that we're meant to serve and we're meant to see people saved. We do our part. God does the saving. We know that. But in a world gone crazy, we need more of this. A people on mission that realize that together God's doing something significant in each of us and together God puts us together so that we can do things together that literally change the world. We, we see that it was the command of Jesus, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded them. Go! into all the world. A good preacher joke is that two-thirds of God's name is go. See, that's how it usually lands. So it was also the way of Jesus. Acts 10 and 38 reminds us that Jesus was anointed of the Holy Spirit and went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Seeing people saved, seeing people served is meant to be a normal and regular part of the church's world. And Jesus, we need to see a move of God more and more. Because we have a world that's in trouble. We have a world that's confused. We have a world that's hurting. In Canada, studies have shown the problem of loneliness in our nation. You say, okay, what is that? One in five identify as lonely. But part of the issue is related to nearly a third of people live alone right now. High rates of divorce, this is from a CBC article, higher rates of divorce, stronger dependency on technology, and sprawling urbanization have been contributing factors. And it destroys mental and physical health. And here's some of the things that they noted. Beyond heightened rates of depression, anxiety, irritability, loneliness is now associated with potentially life-shortening health issues such as higher blood pressure, heart disease, and obesity. 
Some experts have gone as far as to say that being lonely for a prolonged period of time is more harmful to a person's health than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness is a great problem in our world, but why not the church to be a part of it? Hopelessness and depression. In a culture that is, and I want to draw particular attention this morning to our Gen Z, and Gen Z is, or Gen Z is roughly between the ages of 10 and 23. In a culture where division is rampant online, intent on destroying every identity that's based in God and in your creation, Insta world, the TikTok world of comparison and virulent hate of anybody who doesn't fit into the box. Roughly, so 42% of young people between the ages of 10 and 23 are battling depression and feelings of hopelessness. That's twice as much as the next oldest group. They are three times as likely as those over 25 to say that their challenges are so severe they think they might be better off dead. We need a move of God. In fact, for people ages 10 to 23, suicide rates, get this, increase, this is in America, but we live right next door and very, very similar. Suicide rates increased almost 60% from 2007 to 2019. We need a move of God. We need the church to be the church. We need to be a church living on mission Overdose deaths in our problems. This is both a problem and the symptom of a greater problem in our broken society. NBC, September 2022 was the 24th consecutive month of which at least 150 people died of a drug overdose in BC. 4,419 lives have been lost during that two-year period prior to that, which is about 184 deaths a month or just over six deaths a day. We need a move of God. We need a church. We need to be a people that live on mission, seeing people served, seeing people saved. And together as a church, we do things. But you know, even this, I want to draw attention to this actually, the overdose problem, because sometimes we might think that, well, that's just for people who are really in desperate states, straits, living on the streets, and so it's not. But 55% of the overdoses occur in private homes. In other words, people that have a home. Only 15% is on the street, which is still bad. But somehow in our mind, we put it off to, it's a problem way over there. But it's happening in our neighborhoods. It's happening in our, to our friends. It happened, some of you even to your family. We need a move of God. We need a church that is on mission saying, I'm going to be part of the solution, helping to see people served and helping to see people saved. And we do some things on mission as a church together. We, we help support Night to Shine. We help, we help to pay for adopt-a-school meetings. We, our, our meals, over 50,000 meals last year. We work with Night Shift. We, we do all kinds of little things, big things actually, seeing churches planted to win people, care packages, went out also in Princeton, helping with the school. And so we're doing all the things that we can. But one thing I'm concerned about in that is that we could... Maybe say I give to it or, or participate once in a while, which is great, but I miss the space of being regularly and personally involved in the lives of people. And that's a challenge for me as well. What though, what if Koinonia, 
cohorts, small groups, doing life together, living on mission, empowered by the Holy Spirit. What if it's one of those untapped and unutilized parts of God's great mission of seeing people served and seeing people saved? I think a number of years ago, I was talking with Matthew Barnett, who came to our church on Vancouver Island, the Dream Center in Los Angeles, and God's done a great work there and from there. But he told us the story of a, of a man who had, uh, had AIDS and was told that he had a death sentence, but he had come to know Jesus. And, and he just said, I'm going to serve Jesus until the day I die, and I'm going to continue to believe that God would heal me. And he just started serving. He had all the reasons why he shouldn't serve. He had difficulty. He had disease. He was, had to be so very careful. He just kept serving and serving and serving and giving and serving and doing his part to see the world served and to see people saved. And over the course of about two years, his numbers kept getting better and better. And by the time that I actually met this man, he was fully healed in the middle of the process of serving. Sometimes we think we got to be all together, all have it all together emotionally and physically and mentally. My life's got to be all sorted out. Sometimes God heals you in the journey of serving someone else because it's more blessed to give than to receive. And you can't always wait until your life's all ordered and figured out because actually God uses our brokenness and our weakness at times that's more powerful and he moves through that than when we have it all figured out. So there's a place for everybody in the story. John 13 and John 17, Jesus said that the unity and love that Christians express to each other is compelling evidence of the truthfulness of the gospel. And the atmosphere produced by a group of Christians who love each other will often do a great deal to convince the non-Christian of the reality of Jesus. Imagine a smaller group of people living on mission, seeing people served and seeing people saved. But Craig... These are the thoughts that go through my mind, perhaps through yours. We're very busy. We don't have time. I'm struggling myself. I saw someone said this this week, and it hit a little too close to home. I, for one, am far too comfortable with people going to eternity without God. I don't know if that hits you, but it hit me. I, for one, am far too comfortable with people going to an eternity without God. In other words, living like this, living on mission, is going to mess with my life. And I think it's supposed to. I think it's supposed to. Titus 3 and 14. Our people must learn to devote themselves. There's that word again. To devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. It's really nice when the word of God is very unclear as to what it's saying. For urgent needs and not live unproductive, unproductive lives. So I started to ask myself some questions. Who is being served? And who is being saved through my life? Do I have room for God to add anything or anyone to my life because he was daily adding to the church. Am I productive for God? Do I need to make margin for mission? What needs to go so that I can begin to grow? Some thoughts. But in Koinonia, I don't have to do it myself. Together, a small cohort of people 
on mission together means we can see people served and see people saved. How do we do that together? First of all, it's with the people of God. We are not meant to do life alone. Acts 2 shows us that all who believe offered what they had, their possessions, their belongings, their time, their homes, for the mission of seeing people served and seeing people saved. The Spirit of God gives us different gifts. You don't all, Not everybody has to be a front person. Some people have the gift of helps. Some people have the gift of words of encouragement or words of wisdom, words of knowledge. Some people have gifts of healing. Some people have gifts of generosity. We all have different gifts to bring to the table. And when we come together, each doing our bit and our part, incredible things can happen. It doesn't have to all land on us. And then there's the power of the word of God, which we cannot miss. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's the guide for our life. It's the way that shows us what to do and how to do it. On mission, each of us has a part. Each of us does a part. Seeing people served and seeing people saved. On mission, each of us, say that's me, has a part. A lot less than said I believe at the beginning, but just me. On mission, each of us has a part. Each of us does a part, seeing people served, seeing people saved. On mission. Where do we do this? 166 hours of the week apart from here. Mission is the sphere of influence that you already have. Sometimes we think that God immediately, and he could do this, we'll get to that in a moment, will send us into some dark place up where, whatever your name of list of difficult places, or onto the streets, or we're going to do this, or we're going to do that. Maybe you'll do that. But first, maybe in our neighborhoods. Maybe the people that our kids play soccer with, their families. Maybe there's somebody that we work with already. Maybe it's the neighbor next door. I don't know. But often it's right in our sphere of influence rather than some random place. God can do that, and we need to always be open to that. But first, right near my sphere of influence, my neighborhood. There might be also places that God calls you beyond. For the sake of time, I'll leave that one. But on mission, each of us has a part. Each of us does a part. Seeing people served, seeing people saved. What does it look like together? I just grabbed a few examples out of the New Testament. In Acts 9, there was a lady by the name of, she had two names. You can pick which one you would rather have, Dorcas or Tabitha. Tabitha made clothes for the widows around her. She was a widow herself, it seems. But she was making clothes, using her skills that way to help and serve somebody else. In Acts 16, we see Lydia, who was a business person, a seller of purple, which was a, she was a really, really wealthy woman. She opened her home and, and said, you can use my house, and insisted on it. Opened her resources, opened her, her what she had to serve the great mission of God. Ephesians 6, 21 and 22, Tychicus offered his voice of encouragement. Say, I don't got any money, Pastor. I don't, got any, I don't have any great skills. Can you speak up and say, well done. God's on your side. I'm praying for you. I believe in you. God sees you. You're going to make it. Voice of encouragement. Colossians 4 and 12, Epaphras offered his prayer for the mission of Jesus. Talks about him wrestling in prayer praying for people far from God. I have a list in my phone that I pray for nearly every day 
of a number of people that I'm praying that they that have been in my life over the years that I've witnessed to at various times and seems impossible. But I have a secret weapon. I'm going before the throne of grace, asking God to rip back the veil on their hearts, asking God to bring them to their right mind, asking God to bring people that are seemingly hopeless, far from God, to bring them into the kingdom of God. I can do that. Colossians 4 and 15, Nympha offered her hospitality. It says she had a church meeting in her home. She had a, hosted a small group in her house. My time, my talents, my treasure, my gifts, whatever they are, offered and said, Jesus, each of us doing a part, each of us has a part, seeing people served and seeing people saved. Not just people in the room, but people outside, people that have no clue that there's a God who loves them because God moves in miraculous way. 3,000 people saved in one day. It didn't stop. And the reason it didn't stop there as a one-time event was because there was a koinonia, a people of God living and doing life together, seeing life in a mission beyond themselves to say, how can we be a part of seeing people served and seeing people saved on mission? And that mission is accessible to every follower of Jesus. Our gifts and our personalities, whatever has been placed in our hands, have been given by God. You are perfectly designed to reach the people that God has called you to reach. And when you feel imperfect and like you can't have any way to do it, the Spirit of God is in you. The Spirit of God is on you. His power is working through you to see people served and see people saved. That the mission of Jesus that is far beyond us would see a nation changed, would see families restored, would see marriages brought together. Why not in Surrey? Why not in Princeton? Why not in Langley? Why not in Maple Ridge? Why not in Vancouver? Why not in Burnaby? Why not in Coquitlam? Why not in Port Coquitlam? Not just in some other nation, not just on university campuses in the United States, but in, in our nation, in our city, in our schools, in our nation, in our uh, universities, in our colleges, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done as the church of Jesus Christ lives in Koinonia, seeing people served, seeing people saved, that his kingdom is moving and forcefully advancing in the world. Stand to your feet real quick. Wow. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes real quickly. And I want you to think about this question. Who are three people that I already do life with that we could come together on mission? Or maybe you're new to the church and you need to find three people. We're going to be talking about this over the next couple of weeks. Who are three people that I do life with and with some intentionality, I could, we could be a group that lives together, does life together on mission. Two or three people. And those are probably the people that you could start with. People that you already have differing gifts and talents and abilities, but could do life together on mission, seeing people served, seeing people saved. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the great opportunity it is to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we don't want to just read about it in Bible times to see 3,000 people saved, but in our day, in our time, make it known. We're thankful to see hundreds of thousands of people coming to know you in Algeria and in Iran. We're thankful to see the move of God where in the last 
30 months, more people have come to know Jesus in Thailand than in the previous 30 years. We're thankful to see that, Lord. But Lord, would you do it again in Canada? We're thankful for the Jesus people revival. We're thankful for the Father's blessing of the 90s. But this generation needs a move of God. Lord, we're praying for our Gen Zs, Lord Jesus, that battle with all the stuff that they're battling through. And we stand in the gap on their behalf, Lord Jesus, that you would surround them with your love and your protection, that you protect them from every evil influence of the enemy, that their minds will be theirs where they hear from Jesus. Lord, we're praying for our youth ministry. We're praying for our young adult ministry as they work with that age group, Lord. Lord, that you would move in a powerful way, that you would just rip through, Lord Jesus, all the junk, all the stuff, and get right to the hearts of our young people and those that are far from you, wondering where their hope and their purpose is. Lord, that we would be a part of your answer for the world. In the strong name of Jesus, and everyone said amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.